What's up, Craig? Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, your movie review and discussion podcast. I'm one of your critics, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And um, it, is, it is the first episode of March. As you listen to this, it is March 2nd. Uh, which means we are inching ever closer to um, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, also that. Nope, it's not that. That's March 17th. My um, movie pick for this week is The Luck of the Irish, Disney original movie. I hated every part of that sentence. <laughs> you didn't like that movie? I'm not oh, sure dude. I remember that movie, but I, I definitely don't. It's remember. the one where the high school basketball player turns into a leprechaun. It's fantastic. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. Oh, God, that sounds so bad. <laughs> oh, no. Nope, 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 nope. It's nope, so nope. good. It's so wanna, good. I don't believe you. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that means that we're inching ever closer to the, the Oscars announcements. So we're going to keep it going with um, our Oscars discussion with one of our films today and our Oscars picks as we look forward or towards next week. Um, Corbin, are you ready to get started? Uh, yes, sir. Where do you want to start this week, Corbin? Do you want to start with three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, or Nomadland? I would like to start with the Mad Men prequel, three billboards out of outside Ebbing, Missouri. The Mad Men prequel? That's... Yeah, advertising and... Missouri before he makes it big in New York City. Is that not what the movie was about? That was a really no. poor joke, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, right. that was, that was awful. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Oh, Cora, that was yeah. so bad. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Josh, I think your mic's all craggy. Let's uh, let's start this podcast over. <laughs> all right. All right. So three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, it was written and directed by Martin McDonough. Oh, sorry, it came out in 2017. I didn't mention that part. Uh, written and directed by Martin McDonough. It stars uh, Francis McDormand. I really wanted to say Francis Ford Coppola for some reason, because we were just talking about Sofia Coppola. Uh, Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, and Sam Rockwell. Um, it had an estimated budget of $15 million and a cumulative worldwide gross of 160 million dollars so that is certainly what we would call a success um do we have a tagline i do not see one that's a-okay um it won two oscars on the back of seven nominations it won for best performance by an actress in a leading role for francis mcdormand and for best performance by an actor in a supporting role for sam rockwell it was also up for best motion picture of the year for graham broadbent peter churchnin um, Chernin and, and Martin McDonough. It was uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role for Woody Harrelson. It was nominated for best achievement in music, written for motion pictures, original score for Martin Burwell, best original screenplay for Martin McDonough, and best achievement in film editing for John Gregory. The film is about a mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit. Corwin, this was your pick. You get us started. Uh, forgot it was my pick. Yeah, um, you know, this is the Francis McDormand episode, so it's only fair that we pick, uh, you know, the Oscar-winning performance that is not Fargo, uh, which we already did. 
This is one of those movies where I had seen it when it came out because of how many good reviews I had heard and having heard so little about the movie leading up to it. And also the fact that it's such a ridiculously long name for a movie. It just immediately drew a significant amount of interest, which by all means is, is fun to think about. Um, but I think this is a film built on the acting performances, which by all means is not a surprise for a film starring Francis McDormand. That's usually how it goes. Um, you know, acting is the priority when you include someone as skilled as she is. Um, but between her, uh, Sam Rockwell, like we, or you had mentioned just now, uh, Woody Harrelson, who I think is, uh, underappreciated in this movie with how enjoyable his character is, even if it is just another Woody Harrelson-esque, you know, stereotype character. Um, I think it's just, uh, an all-around well-made film without any major flaws, but at the same time, um, outside of its, its acting and, uh, its writing by all means, um, it, it's nothing exceptionally special. I do think the writing is excellent. Again, I think the acting is excellent, but, um, it's, it's a movie that I think is greater than the, it's, what's the fucking idiom I'm trying to think of? Like the, some of its parts is greater than the individual value. Like it's. I'm falling apart here, but I think you know what I'm trying to get at. I think so. Yeah. It's greater than the sum of its parts. Yes. Good job. I figured it out. Uh, all right. Um, That's the side of Josh not liking this movie. <laughs> that, that, this is going to be a controversial episode because I think this is... Um, a fucking mess of a movie. Um, I understand it's nominated. It was nominated for, for best picture and best screenplay. I have to say, this is one of the worst written films. Um, I could possibly imagine. Um, this movie is a fucking mess. It makes no goddamn sense. And it's, I, oh my God, it's an infuriating watch for how poorly done. I think it is. Um, what makes you say that? I think, oh, we'll get into it, buddy. Um, from 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 minor things like the CGI idea CGI deer to the fact that one of the moments in this movie that I I cringe every time I see it is the fact that the um and this is such a minor thing but we'll get into it. this movie's full of minor things that make no fucking sense um the bad guys in the bar scene where Sam Rockwell gets his shit pushed in um Sam Rockwell goes outside of the front of the bar looks at the license plate on the truck out front of it goes back in the bar gets done fucked up and then which way do the people who fuck him up run to not the front of the bar mind you they run out the back of the bar and then speed away where's their car who fucking knows it's stupid this movie is full of dumb shit like that plus the fact that none of what happens makes any sense compared to anything else that happens all right can i just can i just put in why wouldn't it make sense for them to run out the back of a bar when they just beat up a you cop and the, want you to avoid? Because you, you see their truck speed off in the back mirror of the bar as well. It's not that they run out the back of the bar. It's that their truck in the shot is positioned in the back of the bar also. All right. I will concede that point then. That's right. Go get fucked. Uh, right. 
the kind of aggression this is called for. This 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 film is really, I think, well acted. Sam Rockwell does a great job. Um, Lucas Hedges is good in this. Francis McDormand is good in this. Woody Harrelson is good in this. The guy who plays Red is really good in this. Um, and I think that's all it has. I, I everything else about it is bizarre, freakishly bizarre, and so genuinely horrible. The actual, you know, I know you said it. It's poorly written, but you know, the concerns were more, you know, directing than I think storyline and dialogue. Do no, you have storyline anything... and dialogue are awful. What, what what complaints do you have on the dialogue? Because I think that was one of the highlights of the writing. That that's the reason I noticed it. Oh my god! How how about the in, the interrogation scene with Frances McDormand after she gets uh, detained for drilling a hole in the dentist's mm -hmm. thumb, which might I add never comes up again at all. And if he was pressing charges, it should come up again. She either has to get detained for a court hearing to to. Uh, uh, put in for bail, or that's actually kind of the only option. The fact that it never comes up again is wild. Um, uh, I think the fact that, that it takes place over the span of like four days, it, the process of which that takes place isn't exactly an expedited process. Also, being the fact that their sheriff dies, you know, it's kind of hard to move all that together at a speedy pace. Amidst oh, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that our court system is run effectively. I'm just saying that you can't get accused of um, what I would imagine would become armed assault due to the, the fact that she had a weapon that she used to do the thumb drilling and then just be let go with no well, you, police supervision or anything. You can't, that's well, that, not how it works. That, that's absolutely how it works. There's no you know hard evidence against her. He can press charges, sure, but there still needs to be uh, the process in which they gather evidence, and during that time, she doesn't need to be placed under arrest. She doesn't need to be detained. It's assault. Yes, they would arrest her. And they released her. They released her. He said well, they, it as they were leaving. She's released only, on but, but zero bail, or zero bond, and she's free to go, and she'll come back when she has her hearing date. I, I genuinely don't think that's how it works, but I will don't know enough about it to, to argue any further, so I will concede. That's fine. Uh, it's um, not a major point. It's just, you know, I, I think specifically the dialogue is something that was extremely... You, I don't want to say unique because it's not really unique. It's just it, it's how people talk, and I think it was very just fitting for the story itself. I think it, it worked very well and was effective. I just don't think the dialogue itself was a, a major detractor for the film. Well, no. So let me get to the actual dialogue point okay. in, in that scene, which is the use of the N-word in that scene is ludicrous. Okay. Ludicrous. It makes no fucking sense. Uh, and it's absolutely disrespectful. The only reason they brought it up was to highlight the fact that they want to paint Sam Rockwell as a racist. And that's it. That that's that's it. The way that they interact with race in this entire movie is also fucking bananas. Which but I think is very fitting for a small backwoods town in no, Missouri. No, I'm not saying that they portray it well. I'm saying that the way that they choose to engage in the conversation that they open up on themselves makes absolutely no sense. They portray Sam Rockwell as a racist by that one scene and the idea that he got in trouble for torturing a black man in the past, but then never actually make anything out of that and never actually make anything out of the fact that he 
is a racist man. It just well, like it comes falls back by as... the wayside, and that's why no, the dialogue in this it scene, doesn't it because it comes no back as soon as they have Woody Harrelson's replacement come in as their uh, new chief. That's the premise of their you know introduction. Come... It's him in a you know racially uh, driven conversation about not accepting him as their new boss because he is black. That's the entire conversation that they have when he shows up. But, is, the, but oh, that's like not a, because that's he, not a point. That that's that, that still doesn't accomplish. What does that accomplish? It's showing the nature of the characters and their and the nature of you know their uh, feelings towards race, their you know innate racism. I mean, granted, it's not a major plot point for the story, but it, it's absolutely brought back and is something that's discussed. It's brought back in this very small, minor way that also doesn't make any sense when it actually comes about. And the fact that they use such harsh language and such an extreme example, like torturing a black man, to have it ultimately come down to not liking his boss because he's black, is really terrible. A terrible way of engaging in that conversation. All right. Well, Pulp Fiction, they dropped the hard R when discussing the quality of the coffee. I wouldn't exactly say that is a, you know, healthy way to discuss and bring about that conversation, but it's still a fantastic conversation, fantastic scene that we both love and have discussed. I just think it's it's something that if you didn't like other aspects of the film, you would look at and dislike. But if you didn't already have that, you know, predisposed feeling, it, it's not something that would be an issue for you because of the nature of where this takes place and who the characters are. Well, no, because you're completely misrepresenting the point of the the scene in Pulp Fiction. In that, the point of that scene isn't to show that um, Quentin Tarantino's character is racist. It's it's to show that he thinks he's in with that scene and can say that shit because he's part of that crowd and get away with it. Which, because they need him in that moment, he can because they're not going to argue with him because they need to store a dead body at his house. It's not a. It's not about. Inter in, um, interacting with race in a racism way. It's about showing the uh, the need of that time and the position of power that Quentin Tarantino kind of holds in that moment. This is meant to interact with race in a police versus black people way and then just doesn't. But they, they have that scene with, I, I wish I remembered the, uh, you know, the officer's name, but the guy from The Wire that comes in to replace him, they're treating it as they don't know who he is. They don't know that he is a cop. They don't know that he's there as their superior officer, and they treat him poorly because of his skin color, because that's the only aspect of him as a character that they can see. And in turn, it's a poor... Uh, well, no. No, let me, let's Delicious. talk about that scene, because that's fucking ridiculous. Here's a guy who walks into the police station in the morning, um, what I'm assuming is seven to ten hours after their last chief of police killed himself, with no paperwork, indignatious as fuck, saying, I now run the police with nothing to support that. Yeah, they should be really fucking questionable about that. Why was he acting indignant? It's not uncommon. Why? Because he just say, watched another officer throw a fucking citizen out of a second story window. I mean, if you have concerns about that conversation, sure. No, Basically, no, no. Yes, the fact no, that, that he that, watched that, a man no. commit attempted murder and just 
he fired him with no further recourse. But no, I'm I, not talking about that. Why did he say? Because when when the the bald guy who works behind the counters was like, "You got mm -hmm. any papers?" He was like, "What do you mean papers? You need to see my papers, like some bullshit like that." And it's like, yeah, yeah, he kind of does. You're walking in here as a random dude no one's ever seen before saying you run the police. Yeah, it wouldn't be weird to say, here are my transfer papers. Did you not get a call from state headquarters? Yes, that's super fucking normal. It's weird as shit that within eight hours, nobody contacted anybody in the town police department to say, hey, you have a new chief of police. When apparently most of the police department didn't know because here's Sam Rockwell with a close personal relationship to the chief who didn't know he died. So news hasn't even gotten around to the whole police department yet. And they already have contacted headquarters, gotten a new guy to, to accept the position, moved him out to a small town in Missouri and didn't tell anybody. It makes no sense. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying it's a perfect situation, it's but having, but having one guy in Kansas city saying, Hey, you have to go out there, head out there. Now we'll figure it out later. That's not, a fucking 12 hour event that's something that could happen fucking the second he walks in in the morning and will work and how it goes i'm not saying it's a perfect it, conversation it, no, and breakdown Corbin, i'm just it saying if is. they it kind of is a big event my entire job goes around showing up at 7 30 and then getting dispatched to go somewhere the fact that it would happen to some other profession especially something like this where it's not exactly planned and would need to just have a quick response is not ludicrous what's ludicrous is yes, both of their is. responses to the situation sure i'll absolutely have that he easily could have had the discussion you know in a better state of mind where yeah you probably should have had that and presented that documentation when you got there at the same time the circumstances surrounding everyone in that scene is not exactly a healthy and normal situation it's absolutely batshit insane on all sides. This guy shows up and sees a cop commit attempted murder and then has to walk into the police station. I get why he's pissed off. This guy confronts him while he's walking in at the same time. That's fine. On the other side, all of these cops just had a close friend and their boss commit suicide the night before. I guarantee you they're not exactly going to be in the great mood that you would expect them to be in or, you know, would want them to be in. It's just the the circumstances here, I think, are perfectly understandable from every single side. No, they're not. Yes, yes. It's again, Corwin, when you I get can understand you get every single as an employee, someone who's getting put into the position of chief of police means that either A, they're getting promoted to the position of chief of police, which calls for paperwork and time, or B, they are being moved from the chief of police from somewhere else to that position. It's not like, because you could, cops get dispatched all the time to other places. Right. It's a position of authority that takes time to actually fill. Right. I, like, like, like it, it takes, and it takes more than eight hours. Yeah, it for a permanent for hours. a permanent position, sure. For the fact that they need and someone, someone in the interim, and absolutely. Be a of an like, there's all types of things that happen. It's ridiculous that it would happen this fast, and it's ridiculous that nobody at the police department will get contacted about it, or that when the guy I forget who the guy from the wire gets there, he wouldn't be like they wouldn't tell him ahead of time. Hey, we don't have time to reach out to the the, the police department in Ebbing, so just here's some paperwork tell them about this here's a number they can call if they have questions like like 
None of it makes any fucking sense. And you could chalk it up to like, well, it's a wacky situation. Sure. Okay, cool. That doesn't change the fact that it makes no goddamn sense in any context anywhere. It does make sense in some context. It the chain of communication is never going to be, you know, in like in sync and be perfect when you're in a situation like this. Guess what? This guy died. The the sergeant was on the scene that night. He was there. He saw it. He calls it in. Guess what? Middle of the night. Shit. We need a guy to go out there the next morning. They have a guy leave that morning. A couple hours later, he gets there around midday. That's fine. Guess what? They don't need to go and dispatch and alert every single guy who lives in that town who works for the police force. Because guess what? They work for the police force. They'll figure that out when they get there. Sam Rockwell walks in and finds out the second he gets to work. That is completely reasonable. The fact that the higher up chain of command in the Missouri Police Department or whatever they call their you know hierarchy of command, the fact that they are trying to build up and are trying to uh, work through this at a high level, sure, they are doing what they need to do. They don't, it's not their responsibility to tell every single employee of that police station about this event. They need to deal with the chain of command that they deal with. Because it's not up to them. They don't need to have that responsibility. but yeah. Their responsibility okay. is to okay. fill an so interim hold on. Officer. Hold on. So you're insinuating that someone from the Ebbing Police Department called into whatever headquarters that they have and told them that the chief of police died. Very well yeah. and good. You sure. would think then that somebody on that phone call said, all right, we'll get you a new chief of police by the morning. Sure. Then What's why didn't they fucking know? Because that's not <laughs> Why didn't they that... know? They have a phone call. He, nobody comes know? In, he reports it. He reports it, right? He reports it. Hey, our chief of police died this is something that needs to happen. We need to fill out a death report, this, that, whatever you want to have it. Okay, the fucking secretary or the goddamn you know guy working the night shift there isn't going to have that answer for him right then and there. there it's might like, be a okay, we'll work, we'll says, work hey, through this. We'll figure something out. coming in the morning. Keep even an if, eye out. Even if he did say that, okay, we'll need to get somebody out there, the whole point comes back to the fact that a black man walking into a police station in the middle of the day, they are insinuating that that stereotype would not allow him to be that replacement. Oh, I know. And that's, that's what I'm fine. saying. I get that that's what they were going for. They're going for a race angle on it. And the idea that the police was accepting the hostility, uh, the, the, the new chief was accepting the hostility of the police as being race-based. I understand that's what they're going for. But the situation that they established around it is so fucking stupid that it doesn't play like that for me. If I agree with the guy behind the fucking counter saying, who are you? Where is your paperwork? Because that would be all of our reactions. Right, which is fine. That That's but, a but proper if that's reaction. Your reaction. If that's all of our reactions, then the race angle inherently does not play. It doesn't have the idea to be, of it racism doesn't have is to be perfect because the whole idea is that this is a fucked up situation and everyone here no. is... No, no, the whole idea is that we are having a conversation about race and how this police department is racist, which I think most people are already willing to get on board with based on what we've been seeing over the past summer, right? And so this is going to be a course correction for this police department on how they interact with race by introducing them to a hard-nosed black chief of police. And instead... Because of all of the various communication failures we're discussing in this very small moment, it actually makes more sense to agree with the police department because of the logistics of the scenario than it does to play with the race angle that they're trying to introduce that just doesn't make any sense. 
It the obvious point that they're trying or, to though. make is that this is about race. That's clear from what they're going for, but the situation that they established makes it not about race, which is why this film is so poorly written. I I don't know why you cannot concede or understand, not even understand, just accept that it can be both. It can be a racial, racial discussion and fall under the fact that this is such a confusing, just absolutely convoluted just wild situation that both of these guys are you know to some degree in the right and can understandably have the reactions that they had because a well-written movie wouldn't have that well-written movies can't can't have situations that are that are confusing for the characters living through them not when it's trying to make a point about how a police department might be racist, where you can go, ah, oh, maybe they're racist, maybe they're confused, maybe it's both. Who knows? So now we That's have to bad have writing. These, so now we need to have these hard confines for what a movie can and cannot do, and consider. No, but if you're trying to good. make a point, the point should be clear and not muddy, especially when it's about something as important about how police and black people interact with each other. This doesn't have to be this, you know, like Malcolm X, you know, clear defined point about you know race for whatever they're trying to pull off it can be muddy films can be muddy situations can be muddy discussions about race and the police are just inherently muddy that's how it works it doesn't need to be this you know pristine west wing you know uh just in what's the fucking word i'm looking for um just it doesn't need to be this idealistic portrayal and idealistic message it can be muddy it can be dirty it can get you know, gross and ugly and confusing. That's the way reality is. Of course, that's the way reality is. But man. you're saying a movie you... cannot no. be this and considered, you know, good writing or considered effective, but I think it can. I'm saying that this film is portraying that conversation in a such a bumbling, stupid fashion that the point it's trying to make gets muddled by the situation it establishes. Not that the conversation can't get dirty, the conversation can't get murky, conversation can't get tough, that the situation that they built around the point they were trying to make is so fucking bad that the point they're trying to make gets lost in it. But and how can you so confidently say. say what the point is that they're trying to make without being the one to make the point? You might that be able to look at that and say, like, sense. hey, this is what I think they're trying to do. But you can't confidently say, like, no, that's not what they were trying to accomplish with this scene, with this conversation. Oh, well, you then, don't know. Jesus, buddy, you weren't why there. are we talking about movies at all? That's a, such a stupid point. That's not a stupid point. We can talk about our discussions, but you can't just say, no, that's wrong. That's not what they were trying to do without knowing what they were trying to do. Well, we can never know we that can, about We anything. can talk about our opinions and how we react to them and, and what we think of them, but we cannot say one is correct, incorrect, or otherwise without confidently knowing what they were trying to do in the first place. Sure. <sighs> all right. So what do you think of the movie? So let's talk about the actual point of this movie. Corwin, what do you think the point of this movie is? Um, again, I thought this was a Mad Men prequel, so I don't know if I should say. No, I, I, I'm genuinely curious. I, what I think, you think the, the point, point of this movie is... Uh, what I want to say is... Um, uh, the point of this movie is... Uh, get back to me. I don't know. I, I got to think about it. 
Yeah, that feels like a f another failure of the movie because I have no idea what they're trying to get at with this. Which it, is honestly, it, it which is a, like a completely for fair. The sake of revenge. No, because because no one. No, I no think that's a fair com concern and complaint to have about the movie. Because I agree, I it's not necessarily clear whether it's uh, a fight against you know the ineffectiveness of police, revenge, what have you. I don't know. So I think that's a perfectly fair complaint and concern to have. Because I, I get everyone's side in what's happening. Frances McDormand is upset that the police have not found the killer of her daughter. The police say that they have done kind of all that they can do. A lot of murders go unsolved because solving murders is very hard. That is not an interesting movie. I think as and a whole, this was an interesting movie, though. I disagree. It's Francis McDormand on a rampage to accomplish nothing. And she finds out she's going to accomplish nothing in the first 30 minutes of the movie after she talks to Woody Harrelson for the first time after she puts up the billboards. It's insane. She gets told outright at the beginning of the movie that we have nothing we can do and we're sorry, but there's nothing we can do. And she goes on her rampage anyway to, again, a comp so much so that she's effectively moving backwards. She tries to burn down the police station with her daughter's file in it for no fucking reason. Like, it is, it is, and I get the angle in part is this idea that gets brought up during the date scene with Peter Dinklage, which also had, like, no reason to be in the movie. It was fucking bananas. Um, which is that violence yeah, begets yeah, violence. And that part of it is, like, you know, she does violence, and then somebody else did violence to her, and now there's more violence. And again, that's just, that's just revenge for the sake of revenge. There's no point here. Nothing that's being accomplished has any meaning. And nothing's being accomplished. Like, this movie's supposed to be about her her, her trying to find answers for her, for her daughter's murder. I can't tell you the name of her daughter. Uh, that Angela. should be a huge failing in the movie. I've seen this movie twice now. I've got no fucking clue what her daughter's name is. It's Angela. That's see, I've seen this movie twice. That's still news to me. The fact that they include Maybe one single more flashback the scene of the movie and then no other flashback scenes and every and that flashback scene was so goddamn heavy-handed, on the nose and weird as shit was also bizarre. Everything about the choices that they made in this movie were bizarre. I and again, ultimately it all built up to what? It led up to what it led up to. The realization that, you know, at some point revenge is futile, futile, futile. Fuck me. No, it hard. didn't. No, it doesn't. They go on revenge. Yeah. They drive to Idaho to go kill a guy. That's not the point. That's not the point they build up to at all. Side on the way. 
they'll decide on the way. Seriously, what is the point of this movie? To piss you off. But, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I have a page's worth of notes on this, and I, I, I usually do half a page tops. Um, one, one of my notes is that this movie is about the severity of action, but not the meaning. Because none of what they do makes any sense and doesn't actually mean anything. Like, if Frances McDormand came to the realization that all the violence in the world wasn't going to bring back her daughter, then all the violence built up to something. And it just doesn't. There's no internal struggle really seemingly going on. What? It's what? just, it's just, what? I'm angry. Here's all my anger in by way and, of and, breaking. And that's not that's internal it. struggle? What? No, because where's the struggle? If all you're feeling is anger and all you're letting out is anger, where's the struggle? What? What? How, how is that anything? Like, if your complaint was that there's no growth in character and, and no learning from, you know, the struggles that they go through during the movie, you know, how none of this has led to a point where... Uh, what? Like if all you feel is happiness, you're never struggling with and if you're if it's a monotone feeling and there's no contrast against it, you're not struggling with it. If there's no contrast to her anger, she's not struggling with her anger, she is feeling her anger. There's no that, struggle within her own emotions if the only mode she has in this film is irate. That's the only one she has. That's not a struggle. There's no contrasting feeling or emotion to move against it. Uh, there's no back and forth, sure, but not saying saying there's no struggle whatsoever because you only feel pain. That's struggle. Like I don't understand. No, I'm not. And, and she no, like no, there's other the murkiness between there's the other points in the struggle. movie where she feels remorse. She feels or she feels this just uh, overcoming. You know. Uh, remorse for you know the way she the whole flashback was her feeling uh regret for how she handled the situation the last time she saw her daughter like i oh, i don't yeah, understand why scene which makes no sense but it's at the, the same time so fucking dumb. at the same time it's you saying there's no struggle and there's only one emotion she feels throughout the entire movie it's just it that doesn't make any sense in itself is that not what we're seeing Outside of the one scene where she does the flashback, which again There's plenty is so heavy-handed, she... it's comical. Uh, I, at some point, I think we just need to to move on from this. I don't think we're going to get anywhere with this discussion. I really don't. I I want to hear your take about Woody Harrelson's suicide because that was fucking bullshit. Why? Why would he do it? Why wouldn't he? Going out have. Listen, I don't know your history with dealing with cancer and things like that. It's not a pretty way to go. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, know. I have whole... several several family members who have died from cancer. Right, which is you know, I I don't want to. And you know what? Belittle all that of struggle, the, but at the all same of them time, went through chemo. He's a fifty-something-year-old man with a wife and two young kids. Why is he killing himself instead of even remotely trying to be alive for his family? 
uh, a, a as a 50-year-old my 70-year-old uh, grandmother went through chemo to try to be alive for a few more years. He's a 50-year-old dude. Congratulations. You know, every circumstance in dealing with cancer is not, you know, equatable. You know, if he gets a late-stage cancer diagnosis, there's really not much you can do, especially without the financial means to fight it. Yeah, I and you know what? Whole, you get, I can you wholeheartedly. Get financial let me finish. You can get a death let benefit for dying naturally let and me, not getting Josh, for suicide. Let me fucking finish. I can wholeheartedly understand not wanting to put your two young daughters through the struggle of fighting through cancer, especially with a pancreatic cancer that is as aggressive. And if it truly was as late stage as it is, you want your memory of, you know, the daughters that you have, you want their memory of you to be as positive and as glowing as you can have. You don't want to have them remember you being, you know, the the shell, the skin of a person that you once were on your deathbed, holding with them for the next 40, 50, 60 years of their lives. You want them to remember you being a good, healthy father who has brought them to that fun, you know, lakeside experience. You want to have those good memories be the lasting impression. Sure, it it may have been too soon in a grand scheme of things by a month or two, but it's up to him to make that kind of call. This isn't you to decide how he wants to end his life or when would be the best time for him and his family and his situation to do so. It, it's not up to you. And it shouldn't be something that we sit here and argue because at the end of the day, that's such a personal decision with circumstances that we don't know the full scope of that we could sit here and argue against. It's not a real person, dude. It's a written but character. It's a situation that decide. is. It's not. To a, oh my God. You could again say that about like every movie. And we, we are can. Here to what make we're sitting here talking about, about how the person written is and makes their decisions. So, yes, I can, of course, sit here and judge that. That's the point of the show. He is a character made up and written on paper who makes decisions based on the attributes and previously existing details presented before us. I make judgments based on how that person within those confines acts and behaves. This is dumb. I, I think this is too personal of a situation and something where you are saying that this is something that is completely objective and is not a subjective decision. And I just don't think that is something that can be looked down upon so, uh, so harshly. I, I really don't. I absolutely do. And I, it's not even me talking about the act of the suicide itself. It's the writing of the situation, my friend. That's what I can't seem to get through to you. If they had mentioned at some point, even a passing comment saying death would be better than the struggle or some stupid shit like that. And there's the concept sewn within it. it makes more sense. If it, he had been struggling more with it in an obvious fashion, that would make more sense. It's normal, healthy, I'm not even wearing fucking makeup Woody Harrelson, not even looking gaunt or anything, at the beginning of what seems like the hardship, deciding at a very early stage to off himself with seemingly no lead-up to it whatsoever. Yeah, it's dumb within the confines of what is brought up within the film with what they choose to show to us in a scene that they choose to show to us. It's dumb. It's also dumb for all the reasons that happen afterwards. You don't get your life insurance if you kill yourself. 
which means that he is leaving his family without that means to provide for themselves for the many years they're going to have to do so, including two college educations. It's dumb. It's fucking dumb. And again, it pops out of nowhere. There is one scene with him at the doctor, and there's one scene where he very suddenly, so much so that I kind of laughed, coughs up blood on Francis McDormand, and then gets wheeled out in a gurney, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and then that's it. Then he kills himself. That's like, How that's does like that it. not make any it's sense? It's wild. Because it doesn't stop him from walking. It's coughing up blood. And that's God, how you have to get into an ambulance. It what? is not how you have to get into an ambulance. You can sit in an ambulance. My grandmother died of lung cancer. Like, I, I, I'm very aware of what it looks like. It was a ridiculous right. scene. Like, and again, the idea that the suicide being the decision he chooses, that doesn't have to be ridiculous if they wrote the movie a different way. That's what I'm trying to say. They don't lead into it at all. And I get that to some extent, having such a drastic thing take place to be jarring might elicit an emotional reaction. I don't think this does because it really comes out of nowhere in the worst way. It comes out of nowhere in a way that said, hey, here's a different twist. You thought this is going to be about Woody Harrelson. Now it's not. He's gone now because of that cancer thing we mentioned earlier that we really barely spent any time on. And also, isn't the point of the movie. <sighs> Here's a movie that's supposed to be about Frances McDormand trying to figure out how to how to get the cops to do something for her daughter's uh, death and, and murder and, and, and rape, and uh, now it's about Woody Harrelson killing himself. Now we're going to have this big dramatic turn that has absolutely nothing to do with the main through line of the film. It's ludicrous. I, I just, I cannot keep going with this conversation. I think we need to move on to final ratings and reviews, unless you have something else other than, than the writing you want to talk about. Uh, no, that's basically all my notes. Okay. All right. This is your movie. You start. Uh, again, uh, I think, you know, all of the actors we discussed previously, I think all of, you know, the discussions mentioned in the opening still hold true. Uh, I do not see the same qualms with the writing and, and the structure of this film that, um, you do. Uh, I found this thoroughly enjoyable. This is now like the third time I've seen it. And I won't go so far to say it's, you know, I've enjoyed it more and more each time, but I've definitely enjoyed it each time I've watched it and don't have any of the, you know, hard-hitting complaints uh, that I can't really overlook. Uh, I give this a four out of five. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think this is poorly made slop. I'm giving this a one. All okay. Uh, that brings us to our Oscars pick for the for this week, which um, is Nomadland. We have this as potentially being a Best Picture nominee, Best Director, Best Lead Actress, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Cinematography. Um, Nomadland uh, was directed by Chloe Zhao. It was also written for the screen by Chloe Zhao based upon the book by Jessica Bruder. Um, it stars Frances McDormand, Dave Strathairn, and Linda Strathairn. May. 
I have no. Do you know who that is? Um. So I guess we could drop this now. The first two, uh, David Strathern and uh, Francis McDormand, are the only two actual actors in it. The rest of the people in the film are just actual nomads who play themselves. Oh, well, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh, and David Strathern was nominated for an Oscar for Good Night and Good Luck. I have to rewatch that movie because I do not remember him in that at all. Um, anyway, uh, do we have an estimated budget? Mm, I'm not seeing one, obviously. Um, between four and six million? And I have the cumulative worldwide gross anywhere between 500 million and 1.1 million. Uh, but again, COVID streaming, this is on um, HBO Max. Um, it's on Hulu. We're not going to... Huh? Or sorry, Hulu. Hulu. You're right. You're right. Hulu. Um, so we're not, we're not going to get a good figure on that possibly ever so it doesn't really matter um do we have a tagline we do surviving america in the 21st century that's a pretty shit story or headline for what it could have been yeah yeah it it is um so again it oscar season hasn't yet hit us but we are in the midst of golden globe season um which means significantly less but still has some meaning um, so Nomadland has been nominated for four Golden Globes so far. Not so far. That's all it's going to get. Um, it's been nominated for Best Motion Picture, Drama, Best Screenplay, uh, Best Director, and Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Drama for Frances McDormand. So those are all things we have it uh, potentially being nominated for Oscars for, in addition to, as I said earlier, um, cinematography, which uh, I really hope it does because, goddamn. Beautiful. Um, this film might as well have been directed by Ansel Adams. Like, Jesus Christ. It was so ugh, beautiful. I don't know who that is, but I'm going to agree wholeheartedly because of who I imagine it would be based off of uh, what you're saying. Ansel Adams was a famous photographer in the early 20th century who spent his time doing uh, landscape photographs of a lot of national parks. Um, he, he's really the guy who kind of, quote unquote, invented landscape photography, hmm. which was a big challenge at the time because he did so at an early point in time for uh, cameras and also a very challenging point in time in terms of lenses. So hmm. he is uh, he's the first great landscape photographer. I feel like I should know who that is then. Uh, yeah. Um, he's an interesting dude. Anyway, uh, this film is about, after losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Um, this was my pick, so I will start. This is an interesting film that at no point did I ever quite know where it was going to go. Um, the film kind of meanders about seemingly plotless. Like a nomad. At, well, I was going to say, which at first threw me off until I kind of realized like, oh, that's like the point of the movie. That's that's like that's it's the through line is that, you know, here's a woman who's kind of just going about her life in whatever fashion or means that looks like and that's how we're observing it and you know we're along just kind of that ride and you know i i really enjoyed this i really thought francis mcdormand was great in this it was really interesting seeing a lifestyle so unlike what we typically see in film um and that in of itself kind of keeps you kind of keeps you wrapped in 
Um, the emotional journey she goes on, I think, is uh, eminently relatable, which is mm-hmm. also plays to the strengths of this film. Because the idea of having this very specific lifestyle might very well be hard for us to connect to. You know, there's there's a big difference when you're watching movies between um, relating and viewing. You know, mm-hmm. this is a lifestyle not a lot of us are going to be able to relate to, but a lot of us might find interesting to view. Giving that emotional element, whether it's losing things financially um, or losing things like people um, or a connection to a hometown or a life, whatever that might be, that is very relatable. Um, and so having, you know, the two, those two ideas mesh very early on and and be brought up in very consistent fashion um, really helped provide that emotional tie to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very quiet. There is not a lot of dialogue, um, which again, I think plays really well because the cinematography in this is gorgeous and it, it didn't need a ton of dialogue. And um, the, the life itself is so isolating. Yeah, I like quiet. that. It's a quiet life. Yeah, you are by all means by yourself for the vast majority of your time. I love that they kind of showed it as such where, you know, Frances McDormand is on her own. This is her life by herself. It doesn't need it doesn't need a ton of dialogue. It doesn't need a, to- a ton of uh, exposition. It's just that's just what it is. It, yeah, I mean, all right, that that's kind of all I have for 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 uh, mm-hmm. my intro to it. Do you have anything addition in in addition? Um, well, your first take. I you know this is far and away the most. Uh, uh, oh, fucking words are just escaping me today, like always. Um, this was the film for this season this year that I was definitely looking forward to the most. You know, from the the second I saw the first trailer, kind of pop up out of nowhere. This was, you know, far and away the most anticipated film for me this year. Um, and seeing, you know, the first Metacritic reviews, seeing the first reviews come out with how people were generally, you know, disappointed in, in whatever you want to, you know, put as the expectations here. Uh, I was a little concerned. I was reserved going into it, even with all my excitement because of those early reviews, which... Uh, I fully acknowledge it's it's my fault for even viewing them. I kind of tend to go out of my way as much as I can to avoid those and, and just kind of couldn't this year. Um, but I absolutely adored this film. You know, visually was stunning. Um, emotionally just crippling. Uh, absolutely hit a chord for, for me. Um, you know, I, I love the way that they made this film with, you know, Francis McDormand spending, you know, seven months, I think it was filming this, you know, working a majority of the jobs that she's shown doing in the film, you know, living the lifestyle that they show in this film for a, a long period of time during the production to, you know, not just pretend like this was her lifestyle, but to actually understand and, and experience it. Uh, and I think she does a an absolutely tremendous job. Um, you know, this is this is definitely an early front runner for me for best picture. Um, I don't think any of the others that we've necessarily seen so far this year have even come close to to the regard I hold this film in. So, uh, 
I, I fucking loved it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it's it's going to be an early pick for me for best picture. And this is this because is, this is this was a thought I was I was having with myself while I was watching it because obviously we have this in our best picture discussion and it, it's been heavily rumored as being one of the contenders for the category. So I think for I think for all intents and purposes we can consider it nominated for the Oscar even though we're almost a month early for that. Um, and I don't know. I don't. I don't want to make a, like any type of stick because I have no complaints about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. No real ones, anyway. Um, but I, 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 you know, I can't help but wonder. It's like it's like giving a five star review for us on the show. Like, what picking your best picture really feels like. Whether it's like like where where that comes from within you. I don't think this clicked. Like. For me, um, Judas and the Black Messiah, I think had the weight. Though I think that's what it might need. Maybe that little bit of gravitas behind hmm. the subject matter. But See, this it's a minor point for me. This felt heavier to me than Judas did. This carried more weight for me than than Judas and the Black Messiah. Most likely because I can relate personally to this one exceptionally more than I can with you know the struggles of, of blacks in this country during the civil rights movement. Um, you know, this is something that I can relate to on a personal level that with that film, I couldn't. And I understand, you know, the experiences you've had with your life and, you know, the people you um, spend time with in, in your life is puts you in a situation to relate to that more. Um, but I I know what you mean about, you know, one of the weights carrying over or one of the the weights of these films being more impactful to you than the other um it just happens to be the other end of the spectrum for me totally fair um man i i so i really don't have like any notes on this um like at all uh, I, I I have my only note is from the very beginning of the movie, which is I have no idea what's happening, but it is captivating. Um, I, I really I, just yeah. kind of followed along on this. Oh, actually, you know what? There was one interesting thing that I wanted to to ask you about. Um, okay. Because I'm surprised Amazon let its company name be used in this. Um. Because it's not positive. No, it's not. But it's also not anywhere close to the level of criticism it should receive. And the Amazon camper force... I actually read an article by the the writer of The Nomadland that led to the writing of the book um, where they talk about camper force. Um, And... Camper Force is such an important part of how Amazon runs its, you know, seasonal workforce. And, you know, they have thousands upon thousands of workers who participated it every year. I think to them, they were like, all right, if you don't heavily, heavily criticize us the way you ought to in the film, this would be exceptional advertising for us. So we'll let you use the name. That was my thought. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point because because I I you know I'm sitting there thinking like here's a seemingly very real life example of Amazon 
not paying their employees enough to, you know, not be destitute um, on screen with seemingly Amazon's permission and approval. But you might be right. That might actually be uh, sad enough, decent advertising for them. Oh, God, that's so sad. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I think one of the things this film really does exceptionally well is you know obvious obviously Francis McDormand's living situation in this movie is awful i mean it it's seemingly as bad as it could be without being truly truly homeless you know mm-hmm. like sleeping on park bench homeless um <clears throat> and while it definitely gives screen time to the shit awful parts about it it also has lots of screen time devoted towards the little bits of joy and palling around that francis mcdormand also gets you know the little bits of humanity the idea that these tales of poverty aren't just bits of here's some guilt for you um so that you can feel better about donating to charity or whatever um no, let's make these people humans and actually show them, like, you know, tying balloons on little girls' wrists at a birthday party because she wanted to have balloons on her wrists for some reason. Um, and, like, driving around in a golf cart at your place of work, you know, cracking jokes mm-hmm. and going on, like, free tours. Like, there was so much there that was built around the human having to deal with this living situation um, in addition to just how terrible this living situation was that I think was really important to the, to the film as a film and to the film as a, as a storytelling vehicle. You know, I, I know people, you know, people I'm friends with who, who live that lifestyle, who live, Basically, not basically, they live in a, a van the same way you see it here with the added caveat of also working a high-paying job to have all of the amenities you would want if you had to live out of a van. So it's not the same situation. It's the same... It's under the same umbrella, but it's not at all the same experience, I guess is the best way to put it. Um I can't imagine how difficult it would be overall to live through this out of necessity. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to go out of your way to live this kind of life as, you know, a materialistic standpoint, a freedom standpoint, a travel standpoint. Doing this out of necessity because it's the only thing you can afford must be incredibly mentally tough um that was definitely the biggest takeaway you know i had watching this you know actively thinking on you know i spent a a large portion of my life living and backpacking in the outdoors living and you know not even living but spending time in these areas going after you know these vistas that they are you know seeing basically in every location they're at for a week or two at a time, a week at a time, I should say. 
where you're living on the kind of you know bare bones uh the least amount you had to carry because you had to carry it with you and it was a wonderful experience because it was a week at a time and i got to go back to my normal lifestyle at the end of it and it was a you know a mental break the mental strain you must have when it's your life when this is all encompassing and and there is no escape from it i don't know if i could do it you know physically surviving i think i'm prepared enough you know with my history with my experiences to do i don't think i come anywhere close mentally to you know the mental toughness that someone like francis mcdormand would have to have going into this situation especially alone for the first time um I mean, overall, I found this to be an incredibly emotional film. Uh, it was definitely something that affected me and, and definitely something I connected with. Um, but man, it, it it is definitely something that if you don't even have a, a piece of experience in this world would definitely be eye-opening and, and to an extent inspiring for how much you can do with so little and how different your perspective would be upon doing so yeah it's i mean it's 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 fucking heartbreaking Mm -hmm. because you know and the other this film does so many things so well um from uh francis mcdormand struggling to find parking at some some places or at least there being the conversation around like where to put your vehicle um where she can stay and getting shooed away one place um you know just show that that that's also a a real and present issue um but it's you know she works the whole movie that's the other Mm -hmm. part about it is that it's not like she's doing this as a getaway like you said that you know like 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 people who work full-time or or whatever or in school get to do some stuff like this for a week or so and you know get away and it and it's not like she's and the the film isn't isn't like beautifying it you know it's not it's not building it up as some as like she's gaining so much from this you know she's not learning a lesson about life and and getting a great sense of um true meaning out of this experience you know it, it, it's a hardship she's going through as she goes through the other hardship of dealing with the loss of her um, her husband and her, her, her home. And this is kind of piled on top of it, and um, it gets her moving around, meeting other people, but that's not much the uh, remedy for, for solving the, the first problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that she's working the entire film is really, really helps illustrate the difficult nature it is to break out of this because if she wasn't working the whole film you go well then she should just get a, get a fucking job and then not be so poor mm-hmm. um but like the point is is that even working throughout the film like she does she still can't afford the twenty three hundred dollars to get her car fixed you know right. uh and 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 she's tethered to that vehicle because like she says in the film she can't afford to get a different car and then outfit it the way she needs to be outfitted because that costs even more money because she spent all this time and money outfitting her current truck to uh, van to fit the needs that she uh, requires for it today. Um, and, you know, 
And she's not just some desperate runaway. Her town got shut out, and she she has the pride of a woman who doesn't want to go crawling to her sister or I forget who that woman she first saw. It was her. The, oh, um, I think it was a friend's daughter. I was wondering if it was a friend's daughter or a niece or something. Like that. Yeah, but yeah, we'll say friend's daughter sounds probably more right. Um, yeah, because her niece would have been at the party. But, you know, that basic level of pride, I think a lot of us have, um, and that want to work is something that a lot of us, like, like people who are being shut out of the economic system are not, you know, on the outside of it by choice a lot of the time, mm-hmm. you know, 99% of the time. Um, and the idea of these communities based around teaching people how to better live out of vans, again, no one there is there for fun. No. You know, these are people who are who are just trying to get get by. You know, like like when they had the one point of like, uh, here's how to live in a van if you're living in a city and you gotta like move a lot a bunch. You know, they didn't really get into it, which is a shame because I was really curious as to what they were saying. Um but like that that that's that's true because part of the problem if you're in the situation or places to be overnight out in rural areas there's not going to be very many jobs and there will be more jobs mm-hmm. in the city and they're going to have to service both communities um, these people here, because that's a reality for people. If you're trying, and that's part of the, the difficult nature of cyclical poverty in the country anyway. Being in cities is very expensive, no matter how you're there, what means you're there, um, whether it's an apartment, a home, or or this type of living situation with the vans. Um, but that's where the main employment is. That's where that's where most you know urban centers of employment are. Um, or if you want to live out in the sticks, there's 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 more area for you to to live. Uh, it's cheaper. Um, there's just not as many jobs. Um, and a lot of it, as it appears, based on Frances McDormand's work in the film, a lot of it's seasonal. And she keeps moving based on the season. Um, so she can just make the most out of her work. It is... You know, it, again, it, it does a great job of being sad and showing all of these tragic and unfortunate living situations and realities of, of our modern day life. But right. by putting in those little moments of joy and happiness um, and laughter and community make it um, just make it so much better. Right. It, it It's such a heavy film with, you know, the overarching schemes that it, or not even overarching schemes, but the, the themes that it discusses, it, it has those moments in it that gives you that brevity, that relief of the silver lining, you know, the, the camaraderie, the, the real people that you discover along the way that keeps you from, from wanting to end it all after finishing this film. Um, you know, it, it still gives you that glimmer of hope, that that shine that people have when they're in this situation. You need that level of camaraderie. You need that community spirit, that community help, that support system around you where, you know, 
even if you're doing it alone, like Francis McDormand is here, you need those people to support you along the way and the willingness of those people to do it. Um, you know, so much we see films that talk about the recession and how it brings out the worst in them. It brings out their greed, their survival instinct of, you know, needing to get theirs because, you know, their family comes first. You have to do whatever you can to, to help yourself because otherwise it's not guaranteed for you. And with this, it's showing the other, other side of that coin where, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to go out of your way to make it worse for others to get your own. If you do it together, it becomes easier for everyone. And uh, I just, I really like those themes that they kind of showed throughout and, you know, different levels of which, whether it be the community that you find along the way, you know, the network of friends that you have all over, you know, family, um, you know, the friends that you have that become family, things like that. Um, I, I did like how that, grew and expanded throughout the film i uh i don't have too much else to really say um do you have anything else before we kind of move into final ratings and reviews not necessarily i mean there's a, a lot of fun tidbits about this movie about you know the everyone essentially being extras or, or playing themselves outside of those two uh, well-known actors, uh, well, one known, one well-known actor, and the other who you would recognize, even if you may not know his name. But um, you know, for the most part, all of these storylines, all of these people are real, are based off of real stories and real people. Um, you know, inc- incredibly close to the reality. How it actually, was. Uh, I really enjoyed reading into that after watching it um, and seeing how good or how well they were able to portray all that and uh, how real it was. So spectacular. I love it. Um, visually done. Um, acting was fantastic. True, really emotional. Um, I guess to give my final rating, I'm giving this a full five. Easy five, if I will. Oh, all right. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, cinematography is just so wonderful. Francis McDormand is great in this. Francis McDormand, a constant, um, brings a constant feeling of authenticity to everything. I think she has a very, like, whole, like, like relatable looking face. She's got a very, like, I know that lady. You know, I, I know that's my mom's friend, you know. She's the fun one. She's got that face. Um, And it's... So... She's so fucking great at being able to kind of tether a film in in whatever feeling the film is trying to give. So she's wonderful in this. I think the story um, itself is very interesting. I, I don't usually enjoy so much the kind of more meandering about films. I think it works at its most effective here. Um, it's it's a very quiet film that I think works in its benefit. Another thing that I'm not usually too big of a fan of, but I think it works very well here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have too much, too much else to say. It doesn't, it doesn't strike me, I think, as heavily 
as it strikes with Corwin, which is fine. You know, that's just different people from different backgrounds watching the same movie and having different takeaways. Those those, those are normal things. Um, so I'm I'm going to give this a four, but uh, it's it'll also be definitely a very interesting film to get farther uh, or to talk about more as we get farther into um, uh, the Oscar nominations and kind of getting vibes out there uh, about what's been nominated for what and seeing uh, how that conversation around the contendees, contenders, contenders mm-hmm. uh, progresses. But yeah, right on. This was, this is a good one. I really like this. Cool. 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 You have your pick for next week, sir. Um, kind of, I'm waffling on it. Why don't you go first? I am going with Mank. It's on Netflix. It's streaming. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I actually don't know anything about it other than I think Gary Oldman's in it, and it's in black and white. Uh, yeah, it's 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 um, fuck. What was I about to say? Um, damn it. <laughs> Shit. What was I about to say? Yeah. Oh, How does it's it feel a, about... to become me? Awful. If it's about <laughs> Herman Mankovic, um. Don't know Which I'm is. really excited about. I actually, huh? I don't know who that is. Uh, he's the guy that wrote Citizen Kane. Okay. Yeah. Um. Because I was about to say, I just rewatched Citizen Kane recently, so I'm I'm excited to get into this. Um. Because I know there's a lot of great stories about Mank from Citizen Kane. Um. Surrounding like his alcoholism and all that stuff. <laughs> um. So I'm very interested to see if any of that is in this, because um, uh, that's just that's just one movie. I, I'm very curious to hear what else we get out of um, out of Mank because I'm I'm not too familiar with him outside of the context of stories I've heard from Citizen Kane. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun. That's also again that that is that is our Oscars pick for the week. So Mank, we are we have it as uh, projected to possibly be nominated for Best Picture. Best Supporting Actress, uh, Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing. So uh, we'll be keeping eyes out for all of those things as we go through it. Um, for me, for this week, fuck, um, damn it, I'm so conflicted. I'm going to go with The Seventh Seal. Ooh. It was between a few movies. I... I the other two I'd, I've watched somewhat recently. Uh, or the, one of them I watched somewhat recently, but the other one um, I figured I'd, I'd put on pause for a little bit. Uh, this will be our second Ingmar Bergman film. This is probably his most famous film, um, and I haven't seen it in a minute, so I'm, I, I do for a rewatch. Have you ever seen it? No, it's actually on my list of movies to watch. Perfect. All right. Um, this was, it's on HBO Max. If you got it and you want to watch it, it is there for your viewing pleasure. Um, that is the seventh deal um, as my pick for next week. So, we got that. We got Mank, Them's, The Picks. Watch them or don't. I do not care. That is your choice. Yeah. Um, all right. If you want to uh, follow the show... On Twitter, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicingthebigscreen at gmail.com. And until next week, y'all have a good one. Bye.